Killalot came up in uh, in my wife and I our conversation. We were listening to some cold opens, and uh, my wife did not understand why uh, the whole three minutes one minute <laughs> countdown thing. And I'm like, that's just the viewers slash listeners breaking my balls at every opportunity. And Zach and Troy both enabling and fostering that kind of a hostile environment for me. She goes, why now, are you doing this again? Now, again, <laughs> let's be let's be real. Uh-huh. We're not enabling them. Mm. You are. <laughs> <laughs> You're supplying the ammunition for your own demise. <laughs> oh, that's cute. That's cute. I like that. I like that a lot. Thanks. Thanks for that. It's actually super accurate. It's good, yeah. Excellent. All right, here we go in three, two, one. Hello and welcome to the Bite Size Gaming Podcast, the podcast that's bringing you uh, bite-sized bits of information each and every week. I'm your host, Zach, and the hosts joining me this evening are Dwarven DM, John Christian. Oh, I'm first this time. Oh, lolly ho, everyone. That's right. And then the uh, Dapper DM, Troy Sandlin. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> that was very foppish of you. He's like that. <laughs> very dandy. Super like a dapper or is a dandy. Dapper. Dapper. It's, either it, either is the preferred adjective. D- dapper. Both yes, are dapper. acceptable. Not that there's anything wrong with being dandy. Okay. Dapper is more, way more yeah. acceptable oh, than, than okay. dandy. Cool. Yeah. Just say. Uh, yeah. So we've got. Uh, an interesting episode, a, a return to form, we'll say it that way. Um, go. We're going to be talking a regular episode tonight, except that I think the news is going to be punctuated with our what's in the box talk, mm. which is there has been so much stuff that we have talked about over the last year and a half that this came rolling in or that we picked up from here and there since Gen Con um, that it's like, we've got to talk about at least some of it because we hype it when it's being promoted. And then we kind of need to do a review once we get it in hand and, and mm-hmm. let folks know. So I've got a little stack here of things that I definitely want to talk about. Um, things actually, tr- John, I'm going to give you a little teaser. There's a couple mm-hmm. things in this stack that I think are made for you. And one of them, in fact, I actually bought to investigate for you. Uh, so we'll get uh-huh. to that in a moment. Um, right. But before we do so, is there any news that we need to cover tonight? I wouldn't say it's necessarily news. I've, I saw some things and some stuff. Saw some pretty stuff things? On the Dragonlance front, even. Oh, but it, oh look at that bear droid even. <laughs> Bing! Dragonlance? <laughs> yeah! Not, okay, so what I did notice, it, uh, I found in the, the new Fizzman's uh, Guide to Dragons or whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there is, it, the, so first of all, the dra- uh, Draconians are going to be in it, right? Um, yep. I think we talked a little bit about that before. I got to see the stat blocks. Oh, and wow. they were pretty spot on, I thought. Pretty nice. Now, would, would these be the stat blocks that... Uh, uh, Mr. Man Crush Joe Man- Manganello uh, had developed a while back that he alluded to. I think that's what it is. Yes. Nice. And they're mm. actually good. They they are 
Uh, I mean, they, they track with with what the the mythology originally has, and so it made a lot of sense. The only thing that was like I said before was weird is just what they named them, like the Juggernaut, the Mystic, or something like that, right? They didn't call them their names in the books necessarily. They there are these new like five E version genericized draconian names, which that's fine. I get that. I understand why they're doing that. I think that makes more sense anyway. Yeah, yeah. I I, I agree. get it. Yeah, yeah I get it. Um, okay, so there's that. And then the other little Dragonlancey tidbit that I saw was that I just saw some art. I saw some of the art in uh, the same Fisben's Guide to Dragons mm-hmm. thing. And it was uh, Loralon Thalassa, or Lorana, the Golden General, fighting um, Kitiara. Mm. And that was pretty cool. Not, I mean, there's some artistic liberties that are in there, much like uh, the Tommy Chong Fizban. Mm. image that's out there mm. <laughs> it's like it's super wasted in that image Tess ain't here man <laughs> Tess ain't here man uh but uh that was uh it was it's, it's good though it's just it's just cool to see it's, yeah call it you know whatever you will pandering to the crowd that's fine i don't care it's just cool to see it in there Still. yeah well speaking of pandering the brief note that i have to kind of go along with your brief note uh-huh. is that this afternoon i saw the announcement that the Edge Games company, the newly formed Edge Games company, uh, is doing a new Star Wars RPG. Same team that did the last one, Edge of Empire, but they're doing a new one. And uh, they're also, the same team is doing a Twilight Imperium RPG. Yeah. Interesting. Why would so, they... I mean, I know why they're going to make another Star Wars RPG. That's... I'm a fool if I were not to... If I didn't know that capitalism weren't behind that one, but... I mean, the, the the Edge of the Empire hasn't really been out long enough, it feels I like. I looked it up, I believe, and I believe Edge of Empire... Look, I'm going to... Okay, for the people, I'm going to make sure that I'm saying this right. But I believe it was like 2013. Yeah, I'm going to say, it's been out for a while. Has it been that long? Yeah. Wow. It has been a while. I'm not saying that that's so long, right? Um, Maybe that's but a separate discussion, though. It's like, how long is long enough? For an edition these days, maybe that's uh. Well, and they didn't. They didn't. I mean, like, there's plenty of products for it, but the weird way that they released it, I mm-hmm. feel like, makes it a little bit difficult to fully vest yourself in, right? Because they've got mm. all the. They've got three core rule books. Yeah. Plus three starter sets, and knowing where you're going with all that, I think is tricky. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2013 was when. Uh, was when the uh, first core rulebook came out. Mm. So yeah, see, no thought, word. Yeah, go ahead. I thought it had been out longer than five E. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no word on the system that they're going to be using. Just that it is. It has begun, and it is the same team. They're just calling themselves something different. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so. Well, let's well, hope that though. it's the same. Hopefully it's the same or a very, very similar dice mechanic. That may be part of it, right? It's moving away from the, that dice mechanic. Because it oh, I was, hope not. That was a, I loved it. Don't, I'm not knocking the dice mechanic, but, but it is a harder sell when it's non-numeric, mm-hmm. like traditional dice. Com- I don't dice. know. I don't, I don't I, know. I don't think it is because you know a lot of, a lot of games are going to that whole... Yeah. I mean, and what's the, what's nice the difference? Tool. Yeah, what's the difference? Oh, if you get ones, it's a success. If you get threes, it's a fail. 
the more ones you have, the better you, you know, that kind of a thing, as opposed to you get enough of these symbols, opposed to these symbols, plus this symbol. I mean, it's, who cares if it has numbers or symbols? I mean, it's just a, it's a cool dice mechanic. Yeah. I think, uh, I think the biggest complaint that I remember from that, from that last system was that it was a very pre-built set of rails for their adventures and things and how mm. they had it. I, I didn't ever like, it's on my shelf. It's something that I would like to run at some point. But like what I remember being told is that like the adventures that they built are very built and that they make it difficult for GMs to create their own adventures inside that system. Mm. Exactly. Um, whether or not that's true or not, question mark, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I ran the I ran the starter set, and it's mm-hmm. it's Star Warsy, right? Yeah. But you're right. There is it's like either follow these pre-established parameters for the adventure, or there's like there's no there are no bumpers at all mm-hmm. outside of that. There's there's no additional content or context or anything like that for you to, to be able to kind of noodle with at all. So mm-hmm. if you do go off the rails, you're on your own. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm. I, I'll give it a shot because I enjoyed oh, yeah. playing. I enjoyed playing the Edge of the Empire. That was fun. Same. Hmm. I, you I know, and a lot of that, like like with any system, and with uh, and with any setting, we'll say or genre, even it really boils down a lot. I've noticed to just whoever's running it, whoever's really really passionate about that thing. We've talked yeah, about yeah. that before. You know, like if I want to yeah. play Dragonlance, I want to play it with somebody that's like super into it. You know, mm-hmm. or Star Wars, or like whatever. Yeah. Uh, when Zach has run Alien, you can tell that he loves the he loves the mythology and he loves the you know loves the feel mm-hmm. of it. And it comes yeah. out in that play. Well, speaking of things that uh, sits on Zach's shelf and probably will never get played, um, <laughs> Troy, do we or does anybody have anything in news before we move on to our what's in the box segment? No, no I'm seeing some notes. Okay, all right, so. I don't know, John, if you have anything. I know Troy and I both have a, a few things that we want to chat about. Troy and John, you're, you've got something. Okay. Um, I'm going to kick us off because my suspicion is that I have a few more things in this stack. than My, my suspicion is you don't have a few more things than we do. I think you have, you know, uh, by leaps and bounds, more than we have. <laughs> All the things yeah, more. I had to whittle down my stack, and I'm still not – I'm going to – still try to like plow through it um but there was too many things that i felt like ah we need to talk about this um so i'm gonna i'm gonna do a few things and then we'll hand it off and we'll bounce around um first couple ones i've already talked to john and troy about but they're so they're gonna get a double dose but um let's start with this um this is something that we talked about on one of our very first interviews here on the podcast uh we interviewed a guy his name is Oh boy, this is super Robert professional. Paulson. Robert Paulson. That is not his name. Oh, sorry. Uh, awesome. He did not include his name, so we're gonna. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, thank you, sir. It, it is Robert Paulson until until otherwise notified. Not even the bones, which was one of the very first uh, interviews that we did. Yeah. Um, it is for the mothership system. It is a uh, like a dungeon crawl adventure. Um, and we, like I said, we've been waiting on this one for a while. Um, so the question is, was it worth the wait? 
Um, I will say that I think that the build of Mothership Zines has evolved past this at this point. Like, there's some cool stuff in here. Um, as an example, there's a really cool factory diagram that you explore through um, at the beginning um, for a uh, ship station, as it were, uh, actually. And then most of the rest of the book is kind of that dungeon crawl feel as you talk about those different locations within the station and what you can find in it. So it's a pretty well-written, contained adventure. But the design and presentation, I think, shows that it was started at a point where Mothership was in its infancy. And the products that have come out since it are, are much more refined. Uh, still, I would probably recommend it. It's a nice little chunky module, and there's not a lot of chunky self-contained modules for Mothership out yet. Um, so I would probably say if you're a Mothership person, this is something you might consider picking up. And if you're not a Mothership person, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Uh, exactly. Uh, also, you could run that through the alien system pretty easily. Like, that, that wouldn't be an issue. Um the other thing I'm going to cover real quick, uh, we talked about before. Uh, holy crap, let's talk about something amazing. Minsk and Boo's Journal of Villainy. Mm -hmm. Very nice. Folks, folks, you can pick this up on the DMs Guild, and you should be picking this up on the DMs Guild. This is a good book. Like, in the tier of D&D 5e books, this is a tier one book, right? In my opinion. Like, not just a third-party tier one, but, like, a tier one period, full stop. Okay, so what is what are other tier one books, then? If that's a tier one book, what does that mean to you? Uh, Hammond's Handy Haversack is another tier one book, because it's super okay. usable. Yep. The Cobalt Press layer soft covers mm. that have, like, okay. 10 or 12 layers or, or adventure, self-contained adventures in them are core books. Um, the... Um, uh, Tales from the Awning Portal is a tier one book because, again, it's highly usable. Like, those are the books that okay. I, I feel like are top-notch. There's a few more, but those are all, like, top-notch, home-run-hitting books. This book sets up there with those. Um, it's it's a beautiful book, which is, which is super important, right? Um, it is content rich which is also super important right there's certain books like legendary dragons from jetpack 7 that are gorgeous um and that book is probably almost pushing into top tier for me as well but like they don't have quite the content level this has the content and the art um and i think it communicates some really cool stuff let me tell you um chapter two is inspired it is called Chapter 2 Group Patrons, and it has a whole bunch of different group patrons. So, Adventures Guild, Candlekeep, Church of, uh, let's see, uh, Emerald Enclave, F Flaming Fist, Harpers, Knights of Bahamut, uh, Shadow Thieves. All of these groups, and it has two uh, like high-end NPCs for each of those groups, with an amazing art piece to go with them. Cool. Then it has a whole bunch of, or a collection of campaign villains, like Mephistopheles. And then it has a section of henchmen. 
and then it has a section of monsters. Everything about this book is usable. So Very cool. buy it on the DMs yeah. Guild today. Uh, based on Zach's recommendation, I bought it and I got the PDF. So I've had an opportunity to look at it myself. And I'm echo his sentiments. So that's two out of three of us for sure, right? Yeah, I picked uh, it up as well, but I have not had a chance to look at it. And let me tell you something. Zach undersold how gorgeous this book is. Uh, not only is there, there's just a slew of art. And he's not just, and it's it like it is on par, if not better, than any art that you're going to find in any of uh, any official 5e book that's going to be in wow. print and sent out. Easily, and on top of that, just the layout, the editing, and the design of it is mm-hmm. equal to, if not better than anything else that's out there as well. I'm talking about like not just the way that the stat blocks are put together, but just the the way that not just the artwork itself, but how the art is laid out and how it's uh, editor uh, uh, edited into the overall design is absolutely phenomenal. And there's tons and tons of com- uh, content in this. So based on that, I ended up getting the hardbound book, the hardback book. So I'll be interested to see how that uh, that turns out whenever I get in. Very cool. Yeah. Bear Droid is asking what is a favorite bit because I just recently finished up writing a piece of content that's tied into it. The Mephistopheles uh, villain in here uh, spoke to me. <laughs> um, it's pretty cool. Um, so I would uh, anyhow. We've said too much if we're going to get on to other things, but. Worth the buy. Absolutely. Um, let's move on to somebody else for a minute. Troy, what do you, what's something that you've got? Well, uh, as you know, I, I back a lot of these things uh, as PDFs. So I do have quite a few. But uh, I don't have anything to show. But uh, I do have uh, not even the bones. Mm-hmm. Um, Onyx Sky... Outlaws and Owlbears, the the Ruins of Sumbarum, five E version. I got the PDF. I did I did back that at the uh, hardcover, mm. but they just released the PDFs not too long ago. Things of that, but since I can't show anybody anything, and I haven't had time to really look at those, I got not too long ago the Grim Hollow Player's Guide. Ooh, and I, I mean. I haven't even taken it out of the plastic wrap yet, but it's a it's a it's a decently thick tome, very well done, uh, very solidly bound, and it's from you know Ghostfire Games, Sean Merwin, uh, our buddies over there, and I mean their stuff is always always good, neat little little poster, a, a packet almost like a uh, a messenger packet if you will, mm-hmm. of maps. Mm-hmm. You know, battle maps That's of Etharis. Cool. Yeah. And then like a little a page of stickers and stuff. And then, what was it? A, a box with spells and abilities. Whoa, that's a that's a thick box. It is a, th- it, it's a thick boy. We'll open it up right now. The suspense. Suspense. This is like one of those blind bag oh, look at that. movies that uh, my kids love so much. Dang. Yeah. Look at that. So so for oh. folks listening at home, this is probably 300 cards, 250, 300 oh, cards. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you got some cool-looking spells. I must have got right into the spell section, but yeah, I mean... Spells, uh, items, abilities, all kinds of stuff in here. 
Awesome. Uh, all for the players. And uh, Grim Hollow, if you couldn't guess from the name, is a little bit more uh, dark mm. role-playing, which I do I do enjoy the dark and gritty sometimes. Yeah. I mm-hmm. think, uh, you know, there's room in D&D for a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Dark and gritty is something that I enjoy, so. Right on. Okay. Oh, Gert can't buy it because because Fairstein took his wallet. Mm-hmm. Wow. Won't let him have my uh, Minskin Boo. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Shame, shame. Well, shoot. Uh, hmm. Yeah, let's, let's con- reconsider, perhaps. Uh, John, what do you have? What's something that you have? You so I was furiously, about? like, trying to put together all the stuff that I've gotten recently. I put it away on shelves and here mm-hmm. and yonder. So I'll start out with this. Uh, based on a game that we played not too long ago uh, amongst ourselves as DMs, uh, our friend and yours, Janine, introduced, introduced me to the Tiny D6 system. Uh, she gave me the Tiny Cthulhu source book. Uh, I, f- I fell in love with it. And so I went ahead and picked up uh, Tiny Dungeon, which I think mm-hmm. we've already talked about that a little bit. But I got like, I got now have a third copy of this uh, because uh, my son wanted a copy also so we could play together. I got that. Uh, let's see. Recently got the Survivalist Guide to Spelunking. That one came Ooh. in. What do you think Le- of it? Okay. What, is, what What's your first, first impressions? Yeah, so first impressions are the words are giant. Uh, the, t- the font is, 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 uh, is ginormous in this thing. This is for the, mm. the uh, visually impaired almost. Um, but the content is really, really good. And it is just... There's a ton of it. There's a, even though the wording, the word is big. The words are big. Um, it feels very old school. It's very uh, old school Renaissance, very AD and D feel to it. But it it reads like uh, if you were a like a Boy Scout leader or a Scout leader, right? And it, but mm. it, there's like there's science behind caverns and complexes and underworld. Uh, uh, the different hazards and traps. There's a mm. Foraging and hunting rules for entire campaigns in the Underdark or in uh, in caves and in uh, underground warrens. The anatomy of caves, mining, momentum is interesting. Momentum-based maneuvers, like being able to move through the, the different areas in the uh, underground and not becoming lost. Uh, like if you're if you are traversing more difficult areas, tighter spaces, and things like that, how that is hmm. punishing to the body. Uh, depending on how big you are, and even it even goes into the detail of like your anatomy. Like if you're a centaur and you try to go into the into the underground and stuff like that, right? Hmm. Um, they've got uh, hex crawling and mapping, streamlined survival rules. Uh, they got I don't like Lord Almighty. There are about five blue jillion tables in this, which makes it even that's hmm. the the oldest of the old school Renaissance part of it right there. Just tables, scads of them. Um, like Call of the Lightless Abyss is a hundred, uh, as a, a deep uh, percentile. That's just about different uh, encounters that you could possibly have in the in the underground. A hundred awesome. different encounters to, that you can roll randomly on. Uh, it is, it's, it's chunky as well. It's a really interesting texture, like a, a like a, a like a linen cover. Uh, mm-hmm. That's it's really interesting. It's, it's almost like. Um, you'd have for a field manual yeah. if you were taking it out somewhere. It's really good. I liked it. Uh, it was definitely worth the, the backing on that mm. one. I got my money's worth out of that. 
Beautiful. Uh, let's see. And then... That's, go ahead. That's an AAW Adventure Week product. Uh, yes. So just for those listening at home, you can get that on their website, adventureweek.com. And uh, I think it's pretty reasonably priced. I think it's 40 bucks for the uh, mm-hmm. hardcover. So. Yep. Uh, let's see. And then after that, wh- whenever Troy and I were uh, prowling the, the dealer hall, uh, I made some really good friends at the free leagues uh free league um uh table or their their booth and mm. uh let me tell you something i already loved them for alien and for tales from the loop uh and, but what i had not gotten yet is i hadn't gotten tales from the flood which is like set you like vossen too what's that you like vossen too yes yep yeah, but it's I like I haven't been able to pick a lot of this stuff up. I didn't I didn't even think about things from the flood to be honest with you. But uh, so I got a, a copy of Tales from the or Things from the Flood, mm-hmm. which this is awesome. It's like this, um, you know, Tales from the Loop is kind of a a, a weird alternate eighties, mm-hmm. kind of like a Stranger Things slash Goonies Monster Squad, all those kids on bikes type things. But there's yeah. like this really weird sci fi fringe science aspect to it. Tales from the Loop is, what if it was that? But then 10 years later, over the course of 10 years later, something really bad happened. Some kind of like a cataclysmic event or hmm. something, the loop went, it went wrong. And so t- Things for the Flood is this uh, very Cthulian bent uh, hmm. oh, yeah. on it where weird things come out of the loop and now the world cool. is forever changed. And it's an alternate 90s. So the 80s, you were... So you had like all the the trappings of the '80s. Your your kid had to have some kind of a a thing that was unique, like a Walkman or yep. uh, a, a, a Swatch or something like that, right? Yeah, or a Swatch. Cube. Um, never, never had a Swatch. In the, in the '90s, it's like you're not listening to um, Cindy Lauper or something like that. Instead, you're listening to Kurt Cobain or <laughs> Pearl Jam or Grunge or something like that, right? So uh, the vibe, it, it's it's just weird and it's gorgeous, of course. So I picked that one up. Uh, I also went ahead and picked up another copy of the Tales of the Loop starter set, which is really yep. good. And then the the winner, though, because I already planned on getting the Tales from the Loop stuff, uh, was uh, Forbidden Lands. Yes. Oh, my God. It wins. It wins everything. This thing is... Let me tell you it's something. pretty cool, First right? One, I got, yeah. I mean, like, I, I'm going to start with the box set that comes with this thing. This thing, it is gorgeous. And ridiculously nice. It's not a starter set. That's the thing that we've got to iterate, right? It's Thank not you. a starter right, set. Right, it's right. the core set. We didn't say starter set, set yeah. but but I'm 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 backing you up with like, yeah. you're not buying like we're going to talk about the starter set here in a moment. That is a great starter set, but is bare bones. You know, components of what you absolutely need to run. The Forbidden Lands box set is the two core rule books in a box. Yes, and they look they're okay. First of all, uh, I mean, find this is not a special edition cover, by the way. This cover is like it's almost like it looks like faux leather. Oh yeah. Uh, red with gold foil stamping and all that good stuff. That is the player's handbook, and then the game master's guide uh, comes in it as well, and it's the same kind of like feel with a gold stamping, yep. but it's uh, like a green, almost like a green uh, green faux leather. But that's not what gets me. It is like. Um, it's the same size as what you for the listeners at home. It's the same size as uh, as like a hardback published novel. It's, a, it's yeah. the same dimensions as one, and that 
I didn't realize how much I would freaking love that until I'm reading through this and it is like reading a novel to me, mm-hmm. right? There's like there's it's so incredibly narrative and story driven. Think it is laid out so well. But it's all black and white and it feels mm-hmm. like it should be. If it were I think it would bastardize the the entire vibe they were going with if they had a single color image in this book. Mm-hmm. Um and it is uh it is dark. It is gritty and grim, which I love too, Troy. I'm I'm with yeah. you. Uh it is very uh it feels super heavy metal to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have I've absolutely fallen in love with it. Uh, the box set is is fantastic. Comes with a map uh, as well, and the map has little stickers, so that it's a, it's a hex map. And the the stickers that you get are little tombstones and strongholds and uh, cities and stuff like that. So as you discover stuff, as the GM, it yeah. can be anywhere you want it to be. It's like, and then this pops up here. This is a thing that you you see yeah. because the world is is pinpoints of light and you don't yep. know exactly where things are. There's like the whispers and the tales of maybe there's another town, a couple, like several hexes away, so to speak. Right. And then you get there and it's not, it's a ruin. Right. So then that's whenever the ruin sticker gets put on the, mm. on the map. Right. And the, the replayability uh, of this thing too. Right. The yeah. replayability of this thing is absolutely is phenomenal. Also, just because you can flip it over and you, there's a brand new shiny map. And a whole new set of stickers, so that you can you can recreate you can create a new space uh, and a new environment that way. Yeah. Uh, what came with that that as well? Last one, last one. Wait, John, is, did, you, did you get the campaign book too? That's the expansion. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. the campaign expansion. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> what were we complaining about uh, just last year about uh, a frozen wasteland? That did not have the teeth that we expected. I'm not naming any names here, folks. Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. He's talking about Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not flogging that dead horse. Uh, look, this I've read through about half of this book already. This is oh, what really? I actually dug into. Yeah, I read through half of it because I was and I was and I was pissed as I as I read through it because I'm like, where the hell was this book a, a year, year ago? ago? Yeah. The Bitter Reach. Um, oh, man, it's beautiful. It is so good. Like I, I don't know. I really don't know of any other way of saying, of explaining it other than, uh, man, as a kid, I loved heavy metal magazine and I loved the mm-hmm. the movie and it just like I remember like how it freaked me out as a kid, how jacked up, weird. But like it, fe- mm. this feels like it's just right out of that, and it is. Oh, it is beautifully macabre. I absolutely love it. Yeah. Uh, so. Bear, I think, if I'm not mistaken, mistaken, like the the box set was fifty. Yeah, you can get it on Amazon right now for forty four bucks. Forty four, and you can get the Bitter Reach expansion book for about thirty. Dude, yeah. worth it. It's every, worth it. Totally, totally worth, worth it. every yeah. penny. It is so good. Look, uh, Minsk and Boo, I love it. If you want more of like a five E specific product, that's going to be the the winner for yeah. me. But uh, if you want to take a chance on something really awesome. And very different, but it feels very, very much familiar at the same time. Forbidden Lands yeah. by Free League is so yeah. freaking good. I have heard That's so it. many people say that Forbidden yeah. Lands has become their fantasy go-to. I do. I, I'm not. I'm not shocked at all. I'm not shocked because yeah. as I'm sitting here, I was as I was reading through it, I'm like, how can I not play as much D and D five E so yeah. I can play more, run more of this? Yeah. Yeah. Well, here, uh, that's 
yeah, that's a really good, like, we're going to talk about some more 5e products here in a minute, but like, yep. if you're wanting something different, you know, I'm about ready to talk to you about a product that's going to back up what uh, John's saying there. If you're, if you don't want that, you know, what's a nice way of saying it? Not a nice way, but an accurate, like a standard fantasy feel. You probably want something other than D and D, right? Like mm-hmm. that's that's the quick way. D and D has really, to me at least, it feels like it's become the Disney of fantasy role yeah. playing. Well, and it has to. It I'm, has yeah, to. I'm not, also, I'm not like, mad about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, let me let me pitch to you a couple products real quick uh, that aren't that for five E, right? Um, so let's start with this one, Casarda. Casarda yes. is uh, something that I backed about a year ago, I think, give or take. Casarda uh, is a 5e uh, setting. Um, it comes out of Italy, which is why it looks gorgeous. Um, all if you if you ever see an Italian RPG Kickstarter, you 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 can pretty much learn to tell that it's. Italian just by looking at the cover and the presentation. It's really, really nice. Um, so a couple things that I would note, I guess. First off, this product came in super late because of COVID, of course. Um, it is a setting about people who have died. And everyone in the setting has died. And they have gone to this uh, Casarda location. And they are going to uh, combat things in the netherworld. Um, it is a place illuminated by a pale sun that gives it its name. Uh, it is a place of infinite despair. Um, and that's kind of the presentation of it. Um, welcome to Casarda, where death is the only the beginning. Um Here's what I'll say. I'm going to kind of reiterate some of the things that, uh, John, you said about previous works. Um, The text font, text size in this product is large. And it's not a huge book to begin with. It's, you know, 300 pages roughly, which I'm not complaining about. Um, But you're not getting that hefty, hefty, hefty tome uh, that you maybe could imagine yourself wanting. Um, the other thing that I'll say is that the artwork that is in it is gorgeous. I want I found myself wanting more variety in the art. Um, there's a lot of character art and not a lot of other art. Um, so all that to say, if you're looking for a new, like super dark, horrific setting for a 5e game, I think Casarda is a good place to investigate. If you're just looking for a book to inspire you and have different ideas, I don't know that I would pick this up right away. Um, and it doesn't have so much content to just steal from that I would uh, that I would recommend it. So this is kind of going to be those. If this is your thing, you should, you'll should you probably buy it. If it's not your thing, probably hold off. Um, the thing that you should buy is Ekphrastic Beasts, also for 5e. Um, this is another Kickstarter that was super long delayed because of COVID. Um, and Ekphrastic Beast is also not very large, but just like Minsk and Booze, it is chock full 
of crazy, like, heavy metal monster art. Um, every other page is a full-page art piece for a new monster. And then they put the stat block in a little write-up for the monster on the corresponding page. So you're getting a whole heck of a lot of monsters in this book. That's what it's about. It's a monster manual full of really bizarre stuff. Really, really bizarre stuff. Um, this is a book I'm going to go to when I want to weird my players out. This will be book A that I pull off the shelf, I think. Especially in person, because my copy is this black linen tome with a gold foil stamp. It looks like a, a, a relic, an artifact. And then you would open it up, and you've got these really crazy, sometimes watercolor, sometimes like pen and ink drawings in here that are just grotesque and abominable and fascinating. And reading from this book, running from this book, and then showing an art piece is just going to be a lot of fun at the table. So uh, if you run at the table, I would say Ekphrastic Beasts is a good buy uh, at the moment. Um, I'm not sure. I'll try to get pricing on both of those for you while we're while I'm passing the torch here in a moment. But um, I'm going to say that both of those are going to run you about 50 bucks each. Um, why don't I get 5e out of the way here real quick? The other one that I was going to talk about, haven't gotten to check it out a lot, but um, how about oh, yes, Nations yes. and Cannons? Um, talk about something crazy odd. Uh, this is a 5e Revolutionary War setting book. Uh Troy's showing off his, too. Evidently, I beat him to the punch. Yeah, if you did. Um, I feel so left out now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that we Gen Con. Yep. Yep. Um, it's exactly what you think it is. Uh, it's got a set of origins at the beginning, like uh, Officer Pioneer, Renegade, Scout, things like that. Then it's got a collection of classes, Firebrand, Barbarian, Fighter, Ranger, and Rogue. Um, character choices like backgrounds and feats, firearms and kit, new weapons and things like that, a, a system called gambits, and then an enemy roster, which is kind of like your beast theory that has artillery and beasts and irregulars, soldiers, partisans, and then it has a 13-page adventure called The Invasion of Canada. Um, it's just fun. Just fun. Uh, the art style is very, like, of the time. Probably most of it is of the time. And, uh, like, the beasts that it has are black wolves, bullocks, uh, bull moose, mountain lions, and rattlesnakes, right? It's pretty much what you expected. So, uh, Nations and Cannons is 20 bucks, and it's a pretty nice-sized little softcover book. Uh, like, definitely worth the money just for something really weird that you're going to read and be like, Wow, that's that's fascinating. Like, whoever thought of this really was had a cool original idea, and I love it. <clears throat> uh, so I've got a couple more things. I'm gonna I'm gonna weed out a couple so I can condense. But um, Troy, do you have anything else you want to talk about before I finish up here? No, you stole my last one. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, you're not. And that's. <sighs> Uh, fair enough. Uh, John, anything else from you? That's it for me. 
No, mine was relatively relatively light. I didn't do the didn't get to do Gen Con, so I didn't go to the yeah. hall there. And the Origins one was a respectable sized hall, but there just wasn't there just wasn't a ton that I was able to, mm. to dig through. And it was True. like last second, so yeah, yeah. it's just that last day trying to to uh, run through as quickly as I could. So. Well, let me let me talk to you about a couple things that I thought had your name on them, John. Oh, okay, um, I'm ready. I've got two dwarven books here. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. You, you had me at Dwarven. Um, so this first one uh, is called The Dig. Did you see oh. that at all? Oh, that's cool. I didn't what know. is that? Uh, it says, this is The Dig, where players take on the role of dwarves banding together to reshape the underworld, tell grand stories of subterranean adventure and craft in a light GMless storytelling game. Easy to learn rules, streamlined mechanics. Uh, all you need is a few friends, a six sided dice, and some pen and pencils. Um, it is pretty cool. It's a story. Like you, you, you play as a group through a story mm-hmm. um, and you roll dice all the way through it. Um, there's not a lot of art to it. It's pretty simple. The art that it does have is pretty fun. Pretty. Uh, Pretty mm-hmm. I like uh, I thematic, it. right? Like, yeah. um, but uh, I, I like the idea of a GMless adventure, and I think a band of dwarves is a great uh, a great way of doing that. Um, not a book that I would buy for the art because there's only like five pieces in the entire thing, um, and not a book that I would probably buy for like inspiration for your D and D game, but definitely a book that like if you're tired of don't have a GM or want want to just play something different. I think the dig could do that. Um, I think I paid like eight dollars for this book, and that is a crazy reasonable deal considering that this book is uh, like seventy nine pages. So uh, check that out. But here's here's That's here's awesome. where John were you able to go really quick. Were you able yeah. to go through kind of like the story of it at all? Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, one. I I did I did a brief perusal through it. Um, you're really uh, you're really doing a wide array of dwarfy things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a big part of it is this like going into the subterranean and and recapturing it for your clan. But you're also, you know, uh, as the back of the book says, swindling royalty and irritating bartenders uh, along the way. So. <laughs> Um, here's another book though that's also dwarf themed this I picked up actually at a a local gaming store recently um, here in Kansas City this is called Lost in the Deep and this is unabashedly um, inspired by Lord of the Rings and Casa Doom in particular it is Mm. trying to evoke uh, that sort of a feel. It says, uh, Lost in the Deep is a game about isolation, survival, and perseverance even when faced with the inevitability of your own demise. You play as the last survivor of an expedition of dwarves who set out to restore the kingdom under the Mother Mountain, the legendary dwarven city from which all dwarves have come and was lost in millennia ago. However, after months of exploring it and restoring parts of its structures, your band unwittingly set loose an ancient evil that had been asleep in the depths of the mountain. 
with it, the entity brought forth legions of chaos, and one by one you lost your companions, brothers, sisters, and in horrible accidents that still haunt your dreams. Um, yeah, and it goes on from there. Um, this is a single-player playthrough. Little oh, adventure. That's interesting. Um, and oh it's, my god, I'm, it's, get, I'm getting the, that, the lone wolf vibes. Yeah. It's only 25 pages, but it's a really tight 25 pages. It uses a deck of cards uh, to, to facilitate play. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of, I think, as it is, it's kind of like drawing cards, kind of randomizes what you're experiencing. This is out by Exalted Funeral. And I want to say I paid like 12 bucks for it. But it's a really nice presentation really clean and I, I i will play through this at some point because it's captured my attention um and it it's fun um so uh kind of along with that i'll just briefly touch on i picked up four against the darkness which is another single player uh adventure mm-hmm. um it's a whole system a solitaire dungeon delving pen and paper game and i picked up an adventure for it uh, haven't gotten to read this at all yet, but um, I heard good things, and so I grabbed a copy. Last but not least, and then we're going to move on to something else. Um, I got the Numenera starter set because it was a starter set that I didn't have on my shelf. Um, uh, what can I say about this in the brief moments that I'm looking? Um, this has about the same amount of content as you would expect from like the D&D starter box. Um, so the answer, that means not a lot. Um, there's a couple soft cover books, some pre-gen characters, uh, a double-sided map, some handout cards, and some dice. Um, the difference is that this is super high quality. Like the books have this super glossy, I'll, sh- I'll see if I can show you one real quick. You'll be able to tell just from the video, but this super glossy, super thick, lamination to them um and it's just jam-packed with art and color and detail um i think it's a really nice way of of showing the quality of your company's Mm -hmm. product for a very cheap price because this was 20 bucks and so that fits it on the low end of us what a starter set costs these days and I think it's on the upper end of quality for the box. So that's awesome. I do have one. Okay, <clears throat> I don't recall if we yeah, if yeah. we'd gone over this one or not. Uh, this was okay. So while the guys were at Gen Con, I had, did my own private affair, right? And found and fell in love with a game. And it is it ranks up there uh, with Forbidden Lands. But I, just, I wanted to make sure that I, I brought it up. I heard that there was an imposter on the show at some point or another that might have brought this game up, but mm. you need to hear it from, from my lips instead. Imposters. What? Uh, yeah. You heard me. You heard me. Uh, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about the Goonies Never Say Die board game. Mm. People, if you this is $35 at Target. I think it's a Target exclusive right now. If you love the Goonies... Do yourself a favor and go buy this game. This <laughs> game is uh, it is a an opening salvo into like this to me is like the um, uh, like the the gateway drug into RPGs too because you get to play as <laughs> you, get to play, you get to play as look 
it's asymmetric. So there is a goondocks master. One person plays as the GM, uh, and then five uh, other people can play as your favorite your favorite goonies. You can be Data, Sloth, mm. Chunk, Mouth, or Mikey. And mm. uh, there is the, the board game. I've got it up on on screen now. But the board game is like this modular cavern system that are all disconnected when, uh, mm-hmm. for the on the board. But you inter, they have interconnecting pieces for uh, tunnels and bridges and uh, secret passages and things like that in order to connect them. The hmm. booklet that comes with it is is like uh, is essentially is the campaign book. And the mm. little booklet has nine different scenarios that you can run through, and it plays. It's very light on story, right? It's only as much story mm. as you really want to put, or as much role play. There's no role play really in it at all. But the, the idea of one person uh, that is mediating or moderating play while other people are playing, quote unquote, as the characters, and it kind of goes back to the the dice mechanic that you guys were talking about before, where it's non-numeric. It is uh, symbol-based dice, mm. so uh, the Bones versus skulls, kind of, uh, and then um, for successes and failures, and the uh, the the uh, the kids get wishes, and the um, that they can use almost like inspiration to beef up their stats and their abilities and stuff like that. Um, man, this hit the spot. If you are an '80s kid at all, or for, for God's sake, if you just love the Goonies, you've got to go get this game. Like nobody's mm. paying me for this, but I am like. I'm evangelizing this friggin' game from the the, the mountaintops. Uh, when I purchased this game, I found out that, that the, the same folks that made this game uh, also did a Princess Bride game. Yes, and I purchased that as well. I haven't had a chance to look at it, other than just to open it up. And I don't have any like images to go along with this, but the Princess Bride game is awesome because it's a book. It's a storybook, and you go from one board mm. to, to the next by flipping the pages. Holy crap, it's so good. Um, and they're working on a Back to the Future game right now, too. Right? Whew, uh, so inconceivable. It's, it, it's total total nostalgia porn. Really. But, I mean, like, whatever. They they, they, they got me. Um, it's gorgeous. And it, looks, it looks really, really good. And it's for 35 bucks. I dare you to find another board game out there with this kind of presentation that looks this good, that is this fun to play. Um, for for less than thirty five bucks, I dare you. Fair enough. I love yeah, it. So that, it's it's a really good game. I'll yeah. I'll back him up on that. Uh, all right. So hey, we did uh, we did an hour of what's in the box. What's the box? But but look, we we did not even if we were going to do just what's in the box, and we were going to cover everything, it was going to be another hour. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, we we did you all a favor, I think. Um, but we still got a little topic that we're going to chat about. Yeah, also about um, what's in the box. Also about what's in the box. <clears throat> so, Troy, if uh, we need to refill our cups and then come back to, uh, to talk topic. I think we should. I think we should refill some cups. All right, so we are back. And uh, we're going to talk about... We, we've been saying what's in the box, but really what we're talking about is... This idea of how much should a writer, if any, should a writer hide from a DM? So, so as a DM, what do you want? Um, 
what do you want out of out of out of your adventure uh, adventure paths? Do you like it? But you know, you two fellas and and chat here, you can answer along as well. But like, if you're handed an adventure path or you pick up a book, like, there's a plot obviously that is being told. Whether it's a huge plot from like um, Rhyme of the Frost Maiden or something like that, right? Or it's your self-contained adventure module that you're running at a convention, like a one shot or whatever, right? How much of that plot do you want communicated to you in a concise cut and dried way at the beginning versus how much do you want to discover along the way? And then also, I think the, the third part of that, which is kind of like the, uh, the, the, the truest of the what's in the box philosophies, which is that they're really, if you really get down into it, there isn't a whole heck of a lot of plot and it's really meant to be whatever the GM and players kind of make of it. Hmm. Um, what's your preference, fellas? I, I myself like it all, depending. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this kind of this topic originally got started with uh, some Adventures League content. Am I am I right? Mm-hmm. And to me, in that situation. I want to know what's going on way ahead of time because I don't know how many times running an adventure at a convention, either one of the early adventures in the series or even one of the later ones, you don't know that this NPC is is crucial down the line Mm -hmm. or you don't know the reason behind what's going on and neither do the, the player characters. But as the DM, if you don't know and the, char- and the players are pushing you for information, you don't know what, you know, how do you shine them on or mm. misdirect them or lie to them or give them enough information to satisfy them if you don't know what's going on. Case in point, something that happens in the Oracle of War campaign early, early on in the first several modules it you know something's going on and it gives you absolutely no explanation for it Hmm. and you don't find out until and this is like in the first five adventures Mm -hmm. you don't find out until like the last three yeah what, what the heck happened? What's been and going why? on and why? Yeah. And so, if you're like me, running those adventures not in a convention setting, you're running them as as an actual home campaign. You you've probably made your own decision as to why that thing was going on, mm-hmm. which I did, and it's nowhere close <laughs> to what they had going on. And so now you're like, oh, well, crap. Yeah, there's so, so Bear Droid is saying hundred percent synopsis. That's what they want, um, and uh, I think that I agree with that statement. It's like yeah. I want a synopsis. Give me a synopsis. The question, the question I think I come down on, especially with something like what you just talked about, Troy, is like how big do I want that synopsis to be? How how uh, expansive? Because the 
element that you're specifically talking about with Oracle of War isn't main plot. Now there's 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 major repercussions. It's a, it's a there's a reveal that has payoff, right? Um, but it's not like if you were to say in three senses, tell me the plot of Oracle of War. That's not going to make the cut. It's not going to make the cut. Um, so, you know, unless you had like a, a sheet, a one sheet that was like, here's, here's the story. You're probably not going to read that. Um, well, so, okay. So really quick. So for me, yeah, there's, there's a lot to unpack in that, in that question. Like, honestly, I'm, I'm it's like Troy said, it's like, what do I feel like at the time? Do I want a sandbox where I can put whatever I want to in there because I'm just so in love with the setting that they've created? Maybe. Or do I, or like for the Adventurers League, when you're trying to create a, a um, you're trying to create a storyline that other people are going to be able to recognize, and you're going to be able to run a game that is similar to other tables, so you can have that shared experience. I mean, I, I need to know as much as I can on the front end, in, uh, for context, so that when I'm reading it, it, it kind of cl- clicks into place. You know, mm-hmm. for me, I'm looking for a one pager. One, one page that should be able, not only does it give me like a quick synopsis of what's going to happen, but give me the beats that are going to happen. Like this is important because of this. They, the, the players are going to have to go into the dungeon to get this thing. And when along the way, they're going to meet this person. This person's going to be important later on. Maybe you don't go into all the juicy details about why, but I need that. I need context whenever I'm running a game, just because there are other things that are going on around what the adventurers are doing at the time that I can, leave breadcrumb trails for or Easter eggs for and things like that. So whenever the, the next adventure comes up and I do that handoff to the next DM there, the players are like, Oh, that's what that was. Oh mm-hmm. man, that's crazy. Like I want to be able to give as a good steward of my players, not just for myself, but also for the next person that's going to run for them. I want to be able to set those things up uh, for them as well. But if you were talking about like a home game, um, I like I said, I want that one pager, and I mean, I when I when I, I want a nice, tight, but I want it from if we're looking at like Rhyme of the Frost Maiden or or uh, Beyond the Witchlight, right? Mm. I want one page where it's like here are all the beats in this in this book, because a that tells me do I really want to run this thing and how much and b how much am I going to end up having to chop up in order to make it what I want to make what I want to make it. I know that I'm not going to get ice skating walruses in that one pager. More than likely, but at the very least, I'll have an idea, right? But I'll have at least an idea of, you know, where the story's going and where it's supposed to end up, which is really mm-hmm. important too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, so we we we'll add in another element here, which is sometimes you get the opposite, and sometimes you get something even something weird like sometimes you get over communication at the beginning which is rare but sometimes that does happen um what i say a lot of times what i mean by over communication is that the information that you are getting at the beginning is the writer trying to convey things but what they're actually doing is giving you lore Mm -hmm. or backstory and not which is quote-unquote context but not what i actually need to run the thing Mm-hmm. There's also then companies, um, Gooey Cube is a good example of this, writing writers who intentionally aren't giving you stuff at the beginning because they want the DM to discover things throughout play 
um, intentionally, right? That would drive me crazy. But they're doing it in a way, they're giving you enough information to cover. Like, Like in my example with the Adventures League stuff, it was just oh for this one adventure this is this is what's going on. No explanation. No, if you if the players really really need to know, and they want to make some rolls, this is the vagary that you can give them. Nothing. There's no explanation. There's no anything <laughs> at all. Your your ass is hanging in the wind. But at least with Gooey Cube, it's not like that. They're giving you enough. That you can satisfy your players and your own curiosity in that context, but you still want to know more. Mm. So there's a, there's, sure there's a way to do it, and there's a way that should not be done. And I think Adventures League a lot of times does the. It, but I also understand that you know you're going to have players that are just going to go out the DM's Guild, buy the module, find out why, and spoil it for themselves. You know, seventeen adventures in. But yeah, I, I'm I'm not sure that I, I'm I'm still not, I'm not there yet because for me, whenever I if if I'm going to run an adventure, I don't want to figure things out as I go along with the players. I need I I feel more comfortable knowing what's going to happen next, so that again, like for forecasting, foreshadowing, or again, like they they pick something up and it's that aha, right? I I need to know what that's going to end up being. So like I'm not going to get that in the in one chapter. I'm going to have to at least read ahead a chapter. Maybe I don't, maybe I don't need to read the entire book in order to get everything. Um, but I don't know. I'm not sure. Like discovering it as you go along, that would drive. I feel like that would drive me crazy. Well, you know, it's it's more about like and and I I largely agree, but I think more of it is about. The GUI Cube expectation is they're providing all the resources, but they're expecting you to read through the material ahead of time. So the idea is like they're 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 not expecting you to say, all right, chapter one, here we go. They're expecting you to read through their whole thing. And what they want is for the reading of it to be entertaining and not a not a dry resource guide, right? Or yeah. an instruction manual. Yeah. And so what they want is for you to have that whoa moment as you're reading it. And then for you to then be able to communicate that to your players. Um, and I think their conversation tone that they put into their products helps with that. Mm-hmm. But there's still an element where like I want I, I like the synopsis. I like a story flow chart myself. Yeah, like that's a really handy thing. A timeline is super handy. Um, that sort of uh, a, a quick element. Um, yeah, I live and die I, by a timeline in, in but my don't, home games. But don't give me a flow chart like what we've had in some of the past hardback books. Which is just books, a straight line. Which is just okay. <laughs> you gave me the same thing. It's called you know chapters one, two, three, four, yeah. and five. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. no. Is that how I'm supposed to go? That is that. That's how I'm supposed to play this yeah. game. Is one, two, three, four, five. Oh, I needed <laughs> or, this whole page to tell me. Or that. it literally right. is like an adventurer's league. It's just a rail. It's literally <laughs> yeah, it's box just, it's a straight to, line to box to box. There's no branching at all. Like, why did you even put this in here at all? Well, that's helpful still though because it's an even faster way of communicating. Here's the beats, right? Even if there's no branching, it's like you're going to do this, and then you're going to do this, and then you're going to do this, and then you're going to mm. do this. Great. All right. I know. The, the some there's been adventures not gonna lie where 
you know, I forgot the whole adventure and I'm like, all right, what do I got to do as I sit down to the table and I read that little flow chart and I'm like, okay, I can hit those beats and make mm-hmm. up the rest, right? Like, I'm with you. For work. adventures, yes, but like the, like there's been some hardbacks and it's literally, yeah, do chapter one. Once you finish with chapter one, go directly to chapter two. Oh, yeah. you yeah. finish with that one? Go directly to chapter three. It's like, I yeah. don't need that. Yeah. Well, and I'm and I'm I'm mostly with you on that too, Zach. I think the the only difference is that, like, the, uh, to me, I I don't want that in a flow chart. To me, a flow chart's not going to give me enough like detail, or just a little mm-hmm. bit more, right? Like a small par- a small paragraph or like two or three sentences about each one of those sections of the story or those elements of the story that we're going into. Like so and so is going to do this, and then this thing is going to happen, and here's the thing that's going to you're going to have to set up for the next part. And then the next part comes up, right? And you kind of like, even if it's like three bullets, three bullet, uh, three lines, three bullets for each thing, right? Just a little bit more detail, a little more context to go off of. So that I can, because not only will I use it to like, to figure out what I'm supposed to do, but I can use it for reference. Like whenever mm-hmm. uh, it's been like a couple of weeks since I've read this chapter or this part of the book or something like I can go back and I can say, oh, uh, that's right. These are the three main beats that I need to hit. And this is the order of operation. Cool. I can do that. And I can probably like, I can look at the book as I go along or look at the, the adventure as I go along and pick up enough to where I don't have to spend, you know, the next hour or two reading, rereading that chapter that I'd, I'd read a month ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Craig is saying here in chat, uh, he would love a section that's like, these are the important things that a player needs to know or discover. Just a quick list of that. I think our friend Janine also has iterated that in the past mm-hmm. that, does like hit what she call it hints and clues or something like that like would be really nice um yeah or even yeah. even in the you know in the section of the adventure for adventures league the, the dramatis personae don't don't let this npc die this yeah. in, this, this npc <laughs> needs nice. to needs to appear in future episodes uh don't allow the players to kill the lord of blades yeah. You know, things like that that the DM ought to know ahead of time. <laughs> ought to know ahead of time. But, you mm. know. I mean, some of those things should be self-explanatory, Troy. I don't know what sh- you're trying to hint at. I know at, they like, should be. These should they be no-brainer sh- things. Why are we having to, you know. I, some if, some people need them pointed When the out. villain shows up in the first act, that and is they, not an opportunity for you to kill them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, just... If you don't want to give me all of the surprises, at least give me enough information that I know. It's like, okay, so I need to somehow plot armor this NPC. Or, you know, because, I mean, what would happen if, and this is a a reaching, reaching, reaching way back, what happened if Tacit got killed in the little part of the adventure that she joined you in the very first... Adventures League adventure. Yeah. And then she can't technically appear later on mm-hmm. without some very fancy footwork by the DM. I mean, and that happened a few times. It's like, wait a minute. She died. No, she didn't. Well, she didn't mind. Mm-hmm. And if I knew that she was supposed to, supposed to, supposed to live, then maybe, hmm. I could have figured something out. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like somebody, like Craig says, somebody kills Strahd in the first scene, and yeah, 
It's going to be a long campaign. Or, or somebody takes out, <laughs> you know. Wandering around doing nothing. Somebody kills The Rock in, in Chapter 5, but there's seven or eight chapters in the book. Hmm. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Uh, so, so I think we're at a consensus here, which is that we need more communication, right? We, you know, the the variety of communication, we're open to seeing different presentation, ways of presentation, right? But we need more than what we're getting. Um, I think we're going to underscore, especially in Adventures League, especially in those larger campaigns, um, where you're not releasing those modules. I can't go, like... Okay, so Tomb of Annihilation, yes, it's on me. Technically, I could read the whole thing, right, before mm-hmm. I start. Fair enough. But when we're running the Plague of Ancients series, that's 10 long, and only the first two have been released, giving us some sort of a directive about, like, here's what you need to know about where this is headed mm-hmm. would be super helpful. And um, I think we've ran that up the flagpole a couple of times on our end, you know, saying, like, is that something we can get? And the uh, the fast answer has been uh, no, um, or not yet, or <laughs> shrug. Um, but, but I'd like to imagine a world where maybe that's something we can see in the future. And we're working as much as we can in the back end to uh, get the people what they, what they want. Yeah, let me add. I'll add one more thing for the Adventures League stuff. I had an instance with uh, Mist Hunters where we had two adventures that were chronologically back-to-back with one another. Advent- one adventure ends, the second adventure immediately picks up where the first adventure ended. That adventure, the second adventure is what I got. Ask me how much detail there was at all in that adventure about what happened in the first part of the adventure. <laughs> Nothing. Zero zilch. So part of what I'm going to, I would ask for too if we got that synopsis in there about what's going on in this adventure, we don't have to put it at the very beginning if people don't want it. For me, I want to know just like a quick paragraph or two about like, here's what happened in the adventure the story so this. far. Yeah. And he, or, or even if, even if it's just like the one that's, that, that is coupled to it, right? Here's what, if I'm running 03, tell me what happened in 02 really quickly, right? Uh, and then here's what's coming up next would be really, really helpful. Even and like, I think part of the problem with the what's coming up next, though, is that they may not, they probably don't, I don't even know if they know what's coming up next. Like, it's supposed to be released the week after this one gets released, but they still haven't figured it out yet. I don't, I don't know how that works exactly, but... Well, they, they may not know all the details, but based okay. off what I know as far as the the back end, they, they know the overview, and they right. could communicate the overview, so... Yeah, I don't Anyhow. need the entire like in, yeah. in a ten in a ten uh, adventure arc. I don't need to know every single one, but like I need some wrappers, an envelope around the adventure that I'm. Yeah, what came before? Running. What do you need to have yes. going forward? Yes. Yeah. 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 Bookend it. Yeah. Yeah. And you're getting people in chat saying that even though you had no clue what you were doing, you still ran it well. So. <laughs> even though you had no clue. <laughs> Clueless. No, yeah. what I ended up having to do is I had to read the friggin' first adventure. I had to like I had to devote way too much time to get that context because otherwise people would come in because there's just nothing to go off of. And that that second adventure that I ran, there's just nothing. It's like, hey, it picks up exactly here, and here's some stuff that they're gonna do next. I'm like, I don't even know why. There's a mm-hmm. character in there that they should care about that that turns up in a very altered state. We shall say, no spoilers. 
and I don't know why they should give a crap. Is that a, mm. is that somebody that they liked? Is it somebody that they were that they that saved them or that they saved? I don't know. So it was important to me. Yeah. That that happened to me at uh, Origins because you mm-hmm. know. Me being on top of things and knew exactly what I was supposed to be running at Origins. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So I ended up having to run uh, adventures that are later in the the Plague of Agents series. And from what I remember, because I've only ran up to the fifth adventure, I believe, in the Plague of Agents storyline. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay. Makes sense. Pretty good stuff. I like it. I dig it. Oh, now I'm supposed to run 9 and 10. Okay. And it's like, uh, uh, wait a minute. What's all, who's this? What is, what is going on? The rhyme Mm. is over? What? How did this happen? So I have this gap of four adventures, three adventures, that a whole bunch of stuff has changed. Mm. And for me, like, and I agree with John, as a DM, I want to know each adventure in order mm. as to what's going on. So that way, if there's any callbacks or if, there, or if there's anything like that, I can do it. I can relate it to the characters. The only thing that really saved me in that regard at Origins is... I think in the four or five times I ran the tables, I think there was three players all weekend long that had played any of the Plague of Asian stuff. Hmm. So it was like, oh yeah, we have no idea what's going on. We're just here to play a game. Okay. Cool. That's right. That's cool. Great. <laughs> I don't need to know any of this stuff because you don't know it either. All right, cool. So that that was a saving grace, but I mean, all things considered, that doesn't happen all the time. Well, in, in that yeah. instance, then you're looking at like anthologies as opposed to, or like as opposed to episodic, you know, mm-hmm. where like there's no overarching storyline line that connects everything together. There's a theme, right? There's a, like it's Ravenloft, and there are spooky. St- these uh, spoopy stories that we're gonna we're gonna run, and everyone's gonna be a little bit spoopier than the other. Who knows, right? Right? <laughs> uh, but um, or like that that to me is like that's the only other solution. The only solution to a bunch of players coming in and having zero, yeah, experience or exposure to the rest of the story. That's about it. Otherwise, what you're gonna end up spending is like you as the DM have to know everything that we've been saying that we need. Right? We need that one pager for the entire all of the ten stories or the 10 adventures in the entire um, season give me that one pager so I know whenever I sit at the table all right well I'm running seven all right cool well here's kind of what happened in six uh, to kind of give you get you, get you caught up to speed and then that's an, you can give them that quick five minute synopsis and uh, in the handoff otherwise but we don't get anything remotely like that at all yeah players probably know as much if not more than we do when it's three weeks out from an event Mm-hmm. Until we get the adventure, we don't know anything about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We think we might, but we don't know. We don't know. Until yeah, we and then we're wrong. I'm, I've been wrong like just about every single time on what I thought it was going to be versus what it turned out to be. So take that for what's worth. <laughs> well, I think we've uh, we've about covered this one. 
Um, this is just a little topic, but but I thought it would be interesting to chat about, and um, I think it turned out to be so. Um, fellas, let's see. As we wrap this up, we need to send people to certain directions, right? Yes. Um, listen, if if we have a a um, if we have DMs or writers out there who are listening, who have different ideas or techniques or suggestions on how to communicate this uh, context uh, to to the to the uh, person running the game, uh, shoot us a message on Facebook. Um, we'd love to have conversations there. You can also join our Discord. Um, and uh, have a good conversation about it in that group of fine folks. Um, we have a whole bunch of different sections on Discord, um, including not just RPG discussions, but places where we do kind of what we did at the beginning here, where we talked about stuff we've just gotten in. And um, we also have like a, a, a movie section where you can talk about potentially in movies that you've you've recently seen and how those might influence storytelling or games in general. Um, and I think we'll give a little clue to an upcoming episode, but uh, a little hint. But I think we're going to turn that particular section into an actual podcast episode coming up very yeah. soon. So should uh, we should we tell them what? Uh, yeah, we, we can. We, we've we've picked some movies that we want to talk about. So yeah. yeah, I think it's interesting because I think we all kind of have said in the last week like. I have things that I want to say or want to talk about with movie X. Yeah. And um, so... I need a public place to air my grievances. Yes. Yes, yes. So, for homework out there... Mm-hmm. Um, yes, there you go. There you go. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, the movies that we will be discussing is the new James Bond, No Time to Die. Mm-hmm. The, the new Halloween. And... Mm-hmm. So, if you all can, add right there, and Yentl, yes, Craig wants to Yentl. talk about Yentl. So, if you guys can find your VHS copies and uh, watch those, that would be great. But yeah, so uh, if you want to be a part of the conversation, those are the three. Those are the three movies that we're going to discuss, and uh, and and see what uh, what we all feel about it. We, uh, so how do we want to do this? And we'll probably have, we'll discuss this more off air, but this will more than likely be like sectional, right? Where a spoiler-free zone, and mm-hmm. then we'll do we'll go into spoiler territory, and we'll be have a big red sign that's blinking, yeah, um, audibly anyway. Uh, that being about, about that, I'm going to propose this. Um, I'm going to propose there's a there's a really great podcast out there. Um, it's called I'm going to give a little nod. It's called um, Oh goodness. Oh my goodness, I just drew a blank. I listen to this podcast weekly, and here I am, <laughs> sitting here, feeling stupid. Um, here, you know what? I have an answer. I'll pull it up on my phone. There you go. Um, well, tell us about the podcast while you're looking up the name of the podcast. Well, here. Well, that? listen, that's not that's that sounds professional. Uh, the podcast <laughs> is called Sift Pop. S-I-F-T-P-O-P. Sift Pop. Right. Sift Pop. And um, Sift Pop is a movie review podcast. And the thing that I really like about it, maybe we'll borrow a little bit from their format is that they do. The beginning is you rate the movie. 
Oh. Not on like a 1 to 10 or a, you know, A to F, but in a like it, love it, hated it, or it was just okay. You have to say which one of those you fall in. And then they do a uh, a discussion, a spoiler-free discussion. And then they wrap, then they, after that, do a hard boop and then move on to spoilers, right? I like that. Um, a hard so, boop. A hard boop. So I think if we did it, I think that that would be a great way. Um, and just bear in mind then that the spoiler-free version is probably going to be the short version. Mm-hmm. You're going to get what we thought of it. You're going to get a few like, ah, oh, this is, you know, like, oh, the action was cool. And then anything more than that, you save for spoilers later. Um, but I think it'll be good, and you should do your homework and try to check out. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, yes. Uh, How about we do this? How about this? Then we can even give them who watched what first to for, to, for them to... For, for these three to be determined, the three of us each watched one individually. Or you know what, actually? No. You're going to have to listen to the episode or watch the episode in yeah. order to find out whose movie was what. Whose was yeah. the new James Bond film, whose was Halloween, and whose was... Uh, you can figure that out pretty I'm easy. pretty sure Shocker. you can figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shocker. Uh, yes. But I'm uh, going to now. Even though exactly. Obvious. Well, so here... You're going to want to be a part of that episode. My suspicion is that will probably be next Tuesday, but we'll see. It mm. won't be Sunday because Zach will be at Game Hold Con. Yeah. Um, but sometime in the next week or so, we'll we'll drop that yeah, episode. Yeah, so that means Twitch. John and I are in charge on Sunday. That's right. That's it's right. another Buffoon's right. podcast. Huzzah, Kalukalay. <laughs> Wee! <laughs> what are we going to talk about? So you can knows, skip it, man. is what we're saying. Like, That's Sunday's a skip saying. day. Yeah. Quality immediately no, drops. Whenever no, you... Craig, not 80s, dude. Oh, man. I cannot, I'll talk about that one. No, I'll we're going to talk I'll make, uh, yeah. I'll make Zach's yeah. eye twitch with that one. Yeah, oh. yeah, you will. You will. Man, All I right, really so... love it whenever Paul uses the weirding modules. That's like the best part of the movie. Hmm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. When all the characters are telepathic and and mm. communicate, and, and the only thought. people that can hear it is the audience. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Make it stop. Why are they all whispering? Yeah. No. All right. So we're gonna we're gonna put the pause in it. Put the yes. kibosh. And uh, until next week, we'll see you next time. That's right. Have a great game, everybody. You stay safe out there. It's probably like look, I'm gonna be a, a giant Dragonlance fan douche nozzle for just a second, and then I'll then I'll immediately recoil and hide back in the shadows again for just a second. For just a sec, just a second, smartass. <laughs> <laughs>